Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Rolling along. Uh, it's summer. It's good. It's, uh, I don't know what else to say, but it's, things are good. It's so hot out. That's what I have to say. It's well, hot and it's humid. You know what they say about that? They say winter is coming. That's true. That's yeah. Right. Especially in Canada, winter is always coming. Well, uh, maybe not always, but maybe not uh, always. let's not go there today. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe this is just a good like PSA to remind everybody to keep drinking, drink a lot, drink often, replenish the electrolytes. Um, I will say I was actually just like doing some house painting uh, over the weekend. And honestly, I think I sweat more while I was house painting than I did during my runs. So a reminder that even the, the daily activities or like the normal life activities can actually also drop your hydration status. Like, uh, yesterday I did a run after painting and I'll tell you, it was, it was rough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just that reminder to, uh, hydration isn't just something we're doing in the workout. We should be doing it pre, we should be doing it post and just sort of all throughout the day. Uh, sure. you know, it's like what we always talk about with the, the eating and stuff. Like you can't just eat super well on your run or ride or whatever like how you eat the rest of your life does also factor into how good your your training goes it could and i guess maybe more applicable would be you know if you're out doing landscaping or something like that that's very strenuous you know that might affect your workout or contribute to your you know the energy that you're putting out in the day so uh yeah i, I don't know what the the advice there is you know as much as you know, I guess the idea is that just consider that maybe the timing, if there was any tip or hack out of that is just making sure that if you are doing quality work, it's often better to do the, the biking first uh, and then maybe slug it out landscaping or painting or whatever afterwards and call that, you know, some added endurance time maybe. It's true. We actually do have an episode on if yard work counts as training where we sort of go into the, the how it how it kind of factors in. I think we ended on it depends as we do on most things. Yeah, I always say that one's a philosophical and an accounting uh, conversation. So it depends how you balance your books. Mm -hmm. Well, however you're balancing your books, this is a big weekend coming up for a lot of people. That's right. Uh, so today, it's wedding season. It's wedding yeah. season, yeah. Uh, we're talking about bucket list race weekend. Uh, this weekend just happens to have three of sort of the biggest races among the people we work with, but also I'd say honestly kind of some of the biggest races in North America as far as like endurance events go. Yeah. A lot of them are bucket lists. I, I call it the August endurance race. And I, I don't, it's always as far as back as I can remember, there's always been uh, this weekend has been a, a big one uh, coming up. I guess we have Breck Epic. We have Leadville. We have Quebec single track experience. Uh, we have a local race here. I'm sure everyone has, you know, some sort of local race uh, coming up. So we have a, I guess it's a double actually. There's a gravel race on the Saturday and a mountain bike race on the Sunday. Well, and it's funny. I was going to say Leadville is a single day, but you could also be going for the Leadville SBT combo. So the Steamboat Springs gravel mm -hmm. race is the uh, the day after Leadville. Well, and some people there's a 10K run the next day mm -hmm. as well in Leadville, or they might just be waiting for a week uh, recovering and doing the 100-mile Leadville run. Yeah, so I might take back everything I just said about Leadville not being a stage And then race. Swiss Epic is starts between those two weekends. Uh, so after, I think it's the 15 or 16 maybe. 
or 18. Uh, but anyhow, that week after it starts midweek. Uh, so there's, yeah, just lots going on. And I'm sure there's a reason. I don't know if it's, you know, we have a long weekend at the beginning of August or, or, you know, people have been training in the summer long enough that sort of it makes sense to have this big endurance event. I mean, I think realistically, if we looked, we could find most months do have like a lot of events. This one, it just happens to be a lot of events that are on our radar. Like June has Wilmington, Unbound, a few well, others. There's always the weekend. two. I always say it's that last, either the 31st approximately of May or June, like second, third. It depends a bit on the year, right? But usually there's a bunch that fall on that weekend. Uh, and then there's this one. So here we are. So here we are. So we kind of wanted to first talk a little bit about sort of the general bucket list race prep, uh, sort of thinking more toward the stage races, ultra endurance races, just races where there's kind of a big span of hours that you're going to be on the bike. Uh, so maybe not necessarily over many days, but just a lot of logistics that are required for these races. Right. Um, so you're saying we're not talking to the people who just raced Mount St. Anne World Cup. Yeah, not so yeah, much about not them. you guys. I mean, I do think like plenty of this is relevant for them, but this is more for yeah the the ultra or like longer things. Uh, so the the first thing we'll get into before we talk about the actual racing uh, is just the packing uh, because I think so many races are lost before you even get there. Uh, just especially when you're thinking about a place like Leadville or even Breck, like where you're landing in a somewhere where it might not be super easy to get the thing that you forgot. Especially right now with brake pads and everything else are hard to get. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking of things like, you know, you, you forgot your cycling shoes or you put your helmet in your soft bike bag and it cracked while you're flying. Uh, PSA, always carry your helmet in your carry-on. We'll say that right off the bat. Uh, or just, yeah, any number of things. Yeah, forgot extra brake pads. Um, yeah, your your chain needed to be replaced and you just didn't get around to it. So all of that stuff, all of these like small things that don't matter as much when you're racing close to home or like in an area you're really familiar with are going to be incrementally more difficult, exponentially more difficult, uh, you know, the, the further afield you get. So this is the reminder to... You know, maybe start with a long list of everything that you need uh, before you actually pack. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode, potentially even while they're starting to pack. Uh, so just kind of that reminder to make sure that you have everything that you need for your bike, for your body. A lot of the races we'll do in the tech guide, which we'll link to those three, the Breck, the QSE and the Leadville uh, tech guides or race Bibles or whatever they call them. Uh, there's different names for them, but they a lot of times will have a, a checklist of some type, just things you should definitely carry on, on you know, either in your pack or bring to the race with you. Yeah, and beyond that, making sure that you have, you know, jersey, heart rate strap, socks, et cetera, et cetera, the stuff right. that you're going to wear Maybe as well. go a little more on those little bags. You said we have a post on consummateathlete.com about little bags. We have we have many posts, actually. We have uh, sort about of... About little bags? Uh, yeah, oh, okay. actually, it's surprisingly. Uh, not surprisingly, Maybe everybody Maybe I can knows. buy that domain, littlebags.com. I'm sure someone has it. Maybe that's inappropriate. I don't know why, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, so both of us tend to use these big gear bags. We've tried all of these fancier gear bags that have special compartments and fancy stuff for where your glasses go and where your helmet goes and where your one pair of gloves can fit. Uh, and we've always found that they're kind of problematic because while they might work really well for one exact circumstance, they rarely work well for everything. Uh, so before we start talk about little bags, I'll say we tend we tend to prefer the one big bag when it comes to to racing. I had a client ask, and I said, 
and they were into hockey and I said, you know, especially kids hockey bags are, you know, you could go bigger, but I think, a, you know, a junior hockey bag is probably the perfect. It's just one big compartment. Maybe they have a little side pocket or, you know, a couple little side pockets, but just one massive duffel bag is what you need. Exactly. And that way you, you can, it's so much easier to take everything out of it too, because then you can just dump it and you're not like, because the, the number of, Remember we lost our keys for a year because they were in the compartment of a bag? Some extra stupid pocket. Yeah, it was yeah. Like a secret pocket. Yeah. yeah. Within a secret pocket. Exactly. Yeah, so, in, a, in a, com- a collapsible, foldable yeah. bag. Okay, yeah. yeah. So don't do that. Uh, anyway, one big bag. And then we actually really love just little mesh bags. And if you don't want to spend money or like get more stuff... Uh, most of the time, cyclists have stuff like this in the form of helmet bags, shoe bags. Um, some kit even comes in bags these days. Uh, and, you know, really just like look around your house for like small laundry bag type things. Some people have them for um, washing delicates. You'd get these like or just ear bags. Or even shopping bags. Like shopping bags don't zip shut, but those reusable shopping bags, you know, that's sort of the idea. Mm-hmm. And I like to have different colors so that you start associating like red is your jersey bag and then that black one is the, you know, your shorts maybe. And then, you know, the little zippered one is your gloves. Yeah. So you can get as fancy an aesthetic as you want about these. You can buy fancy like matching sets of them on Amazon or, uh, you know, you can just grab run what you brung as they say uh even those little satchel things like the tiny little backpacks that get handed out at races work pretty well for these sure uh anyway the point being then you just kind of have categories that go in each so you have yeah shorts in one bag jerseys in the other socks in one i usually do like socks in one because i bring a lot of socks but then i'll do like underwear and bras are in another or like sports bras are in in with the socks and then, you know, underwear and regular bras are together. Uh, you know, mix and match it as makes sense for you. And it usually takes a few tries to kind of figure out what your best combinations are, what sure. makes your life easiest are. Uh, but we find doing it that way just makes it so much easier to then, when you get somewhere, you can either leave everything in the big bag and just take out one bag at a time, or even just line the line the bags up on the floor. And it's just so much easier to see everything instead of having to dig through your weirdly compartmentalized tiny bag. Well, and the reality bag. is if you're doing a seven-day stage race, like it's not all fitting in, you know, those those little square backpack type ones. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's not. The only thing I'll do for stage races sometimes is make days. So I'll have... Right. And that could just be in your jersey bag. I just do like my shorts with a jersey and an undershirt and a set of gloves and a set of socks. And I jam that all inside the shorts and sort of like, not not the shorts, but, you know, fold them and then jam that into the bag. And then I do the next day and then the next day. You may not have seven days. You may only have three and then you do laundry halfway or whatever. Uh, But I do find that that reduces the mental load. You know, I make sure my gloves are left, right. There's socks. Mm -hmm. And then that way you're not digging through any bags. You just grab that one bag, put it on the bed or wherever you put it and get dressed every morning. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty nitty gritty. Yeah. Oh, uh, also you mentioned laundry. So laundry bag. And if you are doing a stage race, look at what their laundry situation is, because some require if they if you're going to get your laundry done by the race, you need to have a a mesh bag that has your name on it or something like that. So just be aware of what those rules are. This goes back to the reading the race Bible. We talked about this in our race day mistakes a couple weeks ago. Uh, Just making sure you know the tech guide sort of inside and out, especially the longer the race gets, the more you want to know the tech guide. 
Right. And I think this is getting into, you know, we're the week of, so we're maybe even late on some of this stuff for some of us, but you know, hopefully again, as Molly says, you're maybe packing while you're listening to this, uh, or, or remembering what you forgot. And for that, I, I'm sorry, but hopefully I have uh, some time to correct it. Uh, but we are talking packing. We're reading the tech guide or the race Bible. Uh, and we're going to link to these ones in the show notes. And, and I think even if you're not going to these races, read through some of them. Some of them you might be interested in going to, but some of it has some great content as well. You know, these general ter- uh, concepts that are good just to know. Uh, some of them are very well done. So we'll go with that. But we thought before we get into any individual notes for these races, uh, for anyone who is going, uh, we had some sort of three points here. And so the first one that I guess I'll cover is we have enjoy the journey, don't rush it, and thank people. So this is point number one. That's three things, but point number one. Uh, and I do think that this is, you know, maybe a good rule generally, but, you know, in these big bucket list races, you've done a whole year, if not, you know, a whole pandemic to get ready for this year's big thing. You finally got to this weekend. You've had some great rides, I'm sure, with friends. You hopefully had fun training for this event. Uh, and I always say, you know, if you get to the start line healthy, uninjured with a functioning bicycle and you did all the things that you had to do to get your family and your work organized, it's a success. That's goal number one is done. There's more goals beyond that, but that is a very worthwhile goal. And then just don't rush it. You know, that week ahead, if you're at the race, you know, a few days or a week ahead, enjoy it. You know, sit there, be bored. I keep saying, you know, you want to be a bit bored that week before. Don't pull out your phone instantly. Stare at the mountains, stay off, stare off into space, zone out. Uh, you know, just be relaxed. And that's our working person's peak. We got rid of work. We got rid of most of our family. Maybe if someone from our family is there, but whatever. And not because we hate them, just because we're reducing the amount of load we have. Again, Molly talked about painting. She wouldn't do that the week of the big race, right? She would sit hopefully in a cool area and not waste all this energy and and sweat. Uh, And then last is thank people, registration table, volunteers, race director, other people who let you go by, other people that, you know, give you a gel when you're bonking. Uh, you know, ask people how they're doing, enjoy it. Right. Cause that's definitely going to make everyone's experience better. But also I do think it's like a superpower or a little boost. Every time you get a smile out of someone or you say, thank you, you show gratitude. I think that's going to help you through these very, very hard events that you're, you're entered in. Yeah. And I do want to come back to your first thing about enjoying the journey. It reminds me of, uh, we had Pierre Quinn on about a month ago and you actually listened to the interview and came home just like so jazzed. This man is great. Oh my gosh. You were so into it. Yeah. Uh, but the one quote that we actually had pulled out and posted and I keep coming back to is it, it sounds harsh at the outset, but like no one cares if you win the race and your worth as a human is not defined by if you win the race, but rather like, Pierre talks about like it's about who you've become kind of en route to the race so really like no matter how your race day goes uh if you're proud of how you prepared for it if it changed the person you are if it made you the kind of person you want to be preparing for it the race is icing on the cake it just doesn't matter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean obviously we want to go into it hoping for the best and like planning for the best and everything but at the same time just remembering like who you became to get to this point like that's that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your family, they, they're indifferent. I think you're right. As long as you're safe and you're going to come back on the Monday and, and do whatever you're, you know, start painting again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Are you tired or what? Uh, unless you're my dad, in which case you're just going to harp on the fact that uh, someone got a 30 minute time right. penalty and well, just keep that. Uh, he doesn't want it to happen again. Just keep that coming up. Every okay. Phone second, call. second point here. <laughs> Molly's got repressed issues. Uh, so keep your head up. Uh, And for these, all these big races, you know, World Cups, again, not really applicable as much, Uh, not unheard of, but not applicable. 
But for these big races, you know, your Trans Rockies, your Quebec single track, these stage races, and then something like Leadville, you know, Leadville's pretty good. It's out and back and there's a lot of people there, but you want to keep your head up because if you miss a corner, it really takes the winds out of your sails. You're going to miss a corner and you're going to use your positive self-talk to get back on, but try and do yourself a favor and keep your head up. And we're asking what's next, what's next. So we're looking ahead looking ahead. So that might be spotting a line. It might just be spotting the next sign or asking yourself, when was the last time I saw a course tape? They'll hang tape at a lot of these races just to help like, you know, ensure you that, you know, blue tape is uh, the race we were doing on the weekend and they use, I think it was blue tape, uh, but your race might be pink tape. And so they'll use signs and a color of tape. And again, check the race Bible. They usually have like a picture of what they're using. And that's, that tends to be very helpful because occasionally you end up on a course that also had another race go through it or has a marked trail on it or something Sure. Uh, where you kind of accidentally like get in a zone and then suddenly you're following white blazes when you're supposed to be following blue signage. So sure. just know what you're following. And so we're keeping our head up. Uh, and the reason I really like that is a mantra, you know, what's next, uh, is it something you can control too often we get think, oh, I'll never finish this race, or this is really hot or really hard, or I can barely breathe. I'm at Breck Epic and it's really high, or Leadville, you know, the altitudes, you know, and it's try and keep coming back to what's next. If you need a mantra, that's a great one. You can write it on your bar. Uh, you can write whatever you want. But I, I think that one is very practical because it's always, are you on the course and what is the next section? Or, you know, what is next is you probably need to eat. <laughs> when in doubt, you probably haven't eaten in a while, eat again. Uh, in these big races. So what is next? What is the next thing you can control? And I think what's next is also a really good one to have in your head when something goes wrong, because a lot of the time when something goes wrong, you, you end up kind of just stalled on the side of the hill, the person on the side crashed of the trail. Me out, crashed me out. Yeah. It's like, all gone. You're just kind of stopped and just sort of with this almost blank in your brain. So I think that's where if you already have that what's next mantra, just going through Fix your the head, flat, get back on your bike. Yeah. Eat some food while you're doing it. Yeah. And honestly, even if it's like you're not really sure what's going on or, you know, how you're going to fix the bike or whatever, it's really get up. Yeah. Have a drink. Maybe start walking with the bike as you're just kind of checking slowly like what's going on with it is it working all right. that just that that relentless forward motion that's like the the mantra for ultra runners i think is totally applicable for, for and bike for racers both as well. all of these races it's you know you're gonna hit a really hard point you're out of energy the hill you know you screw up because it's technical or someone got in your way uh you know you feel like you need a break because it's really hot i try and encourage people to try and start walking even if you're eating, you know, even if you're stretching your hamstrings, try and keep moving ahead because in a minute of walking, you know, the hill gets less steep, you find shade, you know, that you can continue moving in it, you know, you're coasting downhill now versus if you just sit on the side of the trail for 10 minutes to try and collect yourself, you know, you could have been maybe coasting downhill or your perspective changes because the hill's not as hard. You're not out in the blazing sun anymore. So we try and keep moving forward, even if it's, you know, expect that you're going to have to walk for some periods of these big events. Yeah. And obviously the caveat here is if you're hurt, if you hit your head, then your what's next should be like, how am I going to get help? Uh, sure. Just, just to yeah. be, just to be clear, we're not suggesting that you you know, haul yourself up and keep going with any and every injury or anything like that. But the what's next could actually be how am I going to get help for whatever has gone wrong? So that's sure. Sure. Uh, and then last point then 
is post-stage. And this was a question I got. We did a Q&A at the stage race we were at uh, this last weekend. And I forgot to mention the your biggest thing. You I'm have, so it's, mad at it, you. It's not like you wrote a book called Saddlesore. Nope. nope uh, by not Molly like Herford, available on Amazon. And so getting out of your chamois. And this is... Okay, so just also wanted to add, as Peter was doing this and forgot to, ye- forgot to say it, I yelled, take off your shorts which oh. made a lot of the tables around us laugh they a thought lot. she was just saying her husband should strip in front of a group yeah. of 100 which or so I mean, people you, know, you do you dear so she was trying to give me a tip that i should mention because someone asked you know what would recovery be like in the, in these stage you races mentioned everything else and so i was like oh you know you want to i'm big i like to get my bike clean and my body clean and you know wait i don't even know if i said body clean i think i just said get your bike clean no, you said bike <laughs> you went on about the bike for like 10 minutes and i was just seething in my right. seat uh, oh. uh, and food into you. I think I said food into you. And then, you know, because I think I got so cued to the recovery piece. And I forgot that in these stage races, people ride a lot more. Like there was people in three days who were approaching like, was it 25 hours yeah. or something? Yeah. So eight times three-ish. So it's over 20 hours in three days, right? So imagine a seven day. I'm not even going to try and do that math. Uh, and so your butt is not used to this type of loading, basically, right? It sounds sort of funny. That's why Molly has a book of awkward questions. But we need to do everything we can. So I say soap it up twice, really soap it up. And when I say it, you know what I mean? The whole area, really soapy, two types of soap if you can, uh, but as soon as you can. And if you can't, you know, the Quebec single track experience actually has shuttles every day. So I doubt that you're going to, you, maybe you can go swimming or something, but you likely aren't getting into showers for two or three hours best case no and in that situation you know what i would do i would have run shorts that i actually had either in my bag that was available for me at the at the shuttle and i'm not sure if they're having that or not or if sure yeah you you definitely can change yeah if they didn't have that i'd have i would literally carry a pair of run shorts in my jersey pocket like that's how firmly i believe most people have whatever but yeah like that's how firmly i believe that this is how important it is and just a bathing suit uh like a trunks is what i'm talking about but i guess teach I, just, their own. I use running shorts that have like a built-in brief i guess that's like, yeah that's generic so we can do that so yeah have an idea to try and get changed uh, because the shower lineup might be long you might need to spend time on your bike you might really need food uh, but those are sort of the three priorities before we get into lounging around you know having a beer not that you can't have a beer but that's not the top three the top three are showers or you know at least get out of your chamois get food in your mouth and bike and I try and emphasize the bike. This is what Molly's laughing at me about is because in these stage races, the bike, like if you, if it's not ready to go, if you need a part and you know, you can't get service or you can't do it right. You need to start troubleshooting how you're going to figure out and get started less than 24 hours from now. Right. So bike is important in the stage races, uh, for Leadville, you know, the single days were definitely still out of the chamois cause you're going to want to ride again soon. I'm sure. Uh, no one likes saddle sores generally and the food is still, you know, you just rode for 12, 12 hours you want to eat. I do think the bike is applicable for one major reason. If you're flying out like the next day or flying out in two days, great point. it's so easy when you're finished the race, you have a lot of adrenaline going. You're probably feeling pretty good, pretty pleased with yourself. You have some energy. You're going to crash sooner or later. So it's probably better if your bike is super dusty or super muddy or whatever to get it hosed off quickly there than it is to like shove it in the rental car now the rental car is gross sure. now no, you're that's bringing, a great point like, yeah just just get it taken care of right away and you'll be so future you will be so thankful that you well did and that. again you won't be you know have had two beers it's 10 o'clock at night and then you remember you haven't you have to go get as you say in the airport shuttle or whatever 
Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and while we're all about the finish line beer, also just make sure you get something else in your system, preferably with protein and carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, you're going to wake up very unhappy the next day. And I, yeah, so I, I don't even think we need to talk about beers. I think people understand how beer, you know, can Works. influence. Um, <laughs> but it's a social, again, a lot of these things, I, I describe the stage races as summer camp for adults, right? And that's absolutely that's why we went to this last race. It was my best friend growing up went, you went, we were having a great time. It was good to see everyone. So, I mean, we had a cider pretty much every night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we were racing the Tour de France, maybe we wouldn't do that. But even those guys have a glass of wine a lot of times, right? So it's uh, not the end of the world. You just wouldn't do it you know to excess which is true any day and just <laughs> but making sure it's, the, it's not the only thing that you're getting at the finish line right right and i will say i got beat by a gentleman who <laughs> he drinks beers at a bunch of the aid station so it is possible i guess if that's your bet uh do you want to go into individual races then or do we have more general concepts as we're approaching august uh, I think you do just have a note races. here about feet up as your post-race during a stage race, oh, right. which I think is worth mentioning because, as you said, it's like summer camp. There's so much fun stuff going on. But even if you can take like 30 minutes of that kind of downtime after your stage and literally like get your feet up in the air, that's great. Or even just lay down in your tent or in your bed or yeah, whatever. Yeah, say feet up. And actually, you're the second person who's like sort of like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean physically the feet up? And I'm like, probably. If you could put your feet up a wall or... You know, even we had a nice uh, river with a waterfall and stuff. So I, DW went I, and I went and we sat in that. So my feet weren't above my head, but I don't think the ev elevation is a good idea. Uh, but yeah, it, really, it's just, can you be bored for 30 minutes and like turn your brain off like and not be processing, especially if you're really racing these? Um, I, I think you probably need to just not be focused for <laughs> 30 minutes. And, and again, it's a challenge to stay off the phones and stay off the, you know, be doing work emails. Uh, but again, you're at summer camp. Take a siesta. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Now we can get into the individual races. So let's start with the Quebec single track challenge. So this is, is it six stages? I believe so. Yeah, don't yeah. quote me on that. So almost a week long. It's actually a super cool format. Uh, they have camping in Quebec City on the Plains of Abraham. So the super historic area. Uh, they have it fenced off. You could also stay in old Quebec if you happen to want to do that or anywhere in Quebec City really and just drive in every day um, or ride in every day. Uh, just a lot of really cool options and stuff. And I really like that the uh, the way they have it set up, there's just so much for everyone. So it's a really good family friendly one. They have stuff for kids every day. They have stuff for people who aren't racing. Uh, just just really, really fun, cool stuff. So I think, and also what I like is they have, don't they have like a race and a tour option? Like Right. Yeah. yeah it can do like a, which you see a lot of people just doing on their own uh, in these big stage races too. I mean, if not the, you know, the single days now you're seeing people who use them more as I'm going to go ride a bunch of cool trails and, you know, I'm not racing anyone. I'm taking a couple of photos. I'm stopping to chat with the aid station people. Uh, so you've seen that, but yeah, they have a more formal, I think it's rider race. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. So. Yeah. And their tech guide is one of the most beautiful tech guides I've seen. It looks very fun. There's lots of, uh, you know, events or things you can take part in, in the afternoon. They have like concerts and stuff. And then they're set up for your families. There might be daycare or, or different things like that. Uh, they also have tech support, which is very nice. A right. lot of races aren't doing that right now because stuff is just impossible to get. So oh, to get people. Yeah. But they, yeah, they have people sort of on the course like sweeps but who have tools and some mechanical ability and then they have uh shimano is also there uh at tech uh tech zones 
feed zones, feed zones, I guess, aid stations. And then, so the only thing I noted there was stages two and five, you have to carry a, a liter and a half of water, which is good. Again, this gets into Molly's tech guide reading and making sure you know the rules. Yeah, and for the record, 1.5 liter of water, like that's a pretty standard hydration pack. It's or two, two big, big bottles. Two big bottles, yep. Uh, but knowing that going in is super important because, I mean, there's plenty of people that would only have one bottle cage on their bike uh, and maybe not even have a pack at all. So, you know, for them, they're going to have to try to find a second bot, like find a big bottle, then a second big bottle and, you know, have that big bottle in a jersey pocket or something if they hadn't sure. kind of been pre-prepared for that. Uh, the other note was they also have mandatory bar plugs. Uh, which is something you actually used to see a lot more in cyclocross where they would actually really check the bar plugs on every bike. Uh, so it's always worth just doing a quick look through, <laughs> look on your bike, make sure they haven't fallen off. Most mountain bike grips don't really use bar plugs anymore, I don't think. Uh, ESI uh, would, yeah. Yeah, some point. do. Yeah, and they do get enough. sort of pushed out, but yeah, it's not a big deal. If you've never had to worry about it and your bar plugs are in right now, you're probably okay and you can figure it out if not. But good to know. Yeah. So that one, you know, a lot, like a lot of these races, you're sort of up, you know, the, the people towards the back are looking at maybe a 25 hour week over six days. Uh, and it's nice sometimes in these, you can either look at the past years just to get an idea of the, the winner's time, like a, a, maybe a best case scenario and then the back of the pack, you know, worst case scenario. And then if there are cutoff times, you may, may want to know that or not, you know, and then at some point it comes back to what's next and pedal, pedal as quick as you're willing to and see what happens. Yeah. And I do think when you're looking at the, the winner's times or anything like that, try to hone in on your age group as well. It's a great tip. Uh, yep. because yeah, sometimes like the wind time and then the slow, like longest time, you know, could be hours and hours and hours apart, but your age group has a bit more of like a closer range to where you're probably going to be. Generally, I always used to say, you know, the winners were about twice as fast as this, the, the people who are towards the back of the pack. And I don't know, I, I feel like that rule of thumb starting to come apart a bit and I don't even know which w direction it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the faster people are getting faster or, or again, maybe you have more folks who are doing it as a tour and they're just not in a rush. So I do think you're actually starting to see times creep uh, on the long side, but that depends so much on how long the cutoff times are being allowed, right? A lot of them will say, we'll give you a ride back to camp if you're not clear by noon past, you know, the second aid station. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, something to watch, but that it's a rough rule of thumb uh, is that sort of double the time. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. Is there anything else on times that you think? No, I think that that pretty much covers it. I think all you can control is you moving forward. So I wouldn't, you know, be so deep on that but just so you roughly know what to expect uh you know as far as ride times yeah even. and you know what maybe that's actually we can answer the one question that we had later right now uh someone was asking about putting split times onto their top sure. tube for something like leadville or something like quebec single track like if you know cutoff times you know what time you're aiming for do split times on your top tube help uh, and I think both of us kind of came down on knowing roughly what the split times you're looking for. Like, that's probably good. But writing them on the top tube might not be as helpful as, as you might think. It might actually very quickly get demotivating. Or it might force, it might push you to go a little too deep in the beginning. Well, so I guess that's to... the question I always push back is what are you going to do if you get to, so halfway you get to Columbine Mine at 52 miles in Leadville and uh, you're 20 minutes behind what you wanted to be. What do you do different? Yeah. Like, why weren't you going fast beforehand? <laughs> like, really, you can accelerate at that point at 52 miles. You're going to just, I, I don't know, like maybe you wouldn't waste time. Like, I, I get it. But 
I think if you focus on moving forward as quickly and efficiently as you can and feeding yourself and what's next, it, it sort of takes care of itself however it, it shakes out. And I, I see, you know, from the triathlon world, uh, some of these cue sheets coming into gravel a little bit. And I just don't know with off-road that there's a lot of actionable stuff you can do with it. No, I would say there's two options I would do on my top two before I did that. The one is the profile of the race, especially with something like Leadville. So you know when the steep climbs are coming, when the big pitches are coming. Uh, honestly, I would have found that really helpful in my last running race even, just sort of knowing roughly how long each climb is and when you're almost there uh, would be nice and that you can actually even load into most gps's these days well and all of these races i think have gpx files which you know if you're going to embrace the context of the game they should be on your garmin this is you know something again if you haven't done it it's okay but navigation is a skill and part of that skill whether you like it or not is now you know there's technology involved in gpx files so you should be familiar with how your device uses this and, and it would have the profile and the climb you know pops up on the garmin if you let it yeah although psa when you are using a load a gpx that's been loaded onto your computer you have to be super careful on any course that has any weird loops added to it uh, because sometimes the gps file will do a really weird thing with the loops uh, i know this is actually an issue that magalie rochette who we just had on last week had at bwr in Asheville. Uh, she actually was following her GPS instead of the arrows. Uh, and they have like this weird second loop thing that you have to do. And if you follow the arrows, it's not an issue. If you follow the GPS, uh, it actually is a problem hmm. or it can be. Yeah, you definitely follow the course markings. Yeah, Always follow the course markings. And it, the thing that it does is if it pops up and says you're off course, which it'll probably do just periodically because, you know, GPS isn't perfect, it, it you know, wanders. But at least it highlights, you know, oh, should I double check here and just like, have I seen a sign? Does it mm -hmm. make sense where I am? Are there people around? You know, oh, okay. No, you look at your map and you're just, you know, two meters to the right and it'll snap back on. But I do think that that it's a good alarm. I went, I wasn't using them at this stage race because I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. They were a little late posting them, so I didn't bother with it. But, you know, I went up a whole other climb that we did last time I did this race. I just assumed it was on the course and missed an arrow. Uh, so I added, you know, probably 10 minutes but my Garmin would have beeped at me instantly going up mm -hmm. that, right? And then I probably wouldn't have done it. So again, use that if you can, but the, the climb profile and the distances should all be on your device. It's not, you know, it could, you could have an error and it could go to all crap and you're on your own, but. So again, the, back to what I said, the altitude profile is maybe one thing I would stick on the top two. Or just key points, right? Like the aid station is at 40 miles yeah. and 60 miles and the, you know, big climb you're keen for in Leadville is at 75 miles, not the big one at 50 miles. It's the one at 75 that's going to get you. So yeah, pace so, for that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then the other thing I would put on coming back to Magalie again is more of a, a mantra or like little affirmation type thing. Uh, her one of hers that's on her top tube is flip the switch that reminder to go from like friendly party mode at the beginning at the start line when you're chatting with everyone to when the gun goes off boom you are you are a racer you are in race mode like that is what you are doing today you are a racer so we did Quebec single track experience. Great race. If anyone's looking for one for next year, watch for the registration to come out. Uh, Leadville, I don't actually see on our sheet here. I don't know where that went, but the only note I had on Leadville is they're doing the awards and the belt bucket. The belt buckles are at the finish line and the awards are that evening of the race, the Saturday. So you can actually leave if you want to. You don't have to wait for the next day. The next morning used to be awards. Uh, do you see any other notes I had there about Leadville? 
Uh, no, that was sort of the big ones. Uh, but we had a couple questions about Leadville if we want to get into those. Yeah, sure. The jacket one, I don't know if we had a clear answer, but the, it looks uh, like... We did have a good clear okay, answer. Okay. So uh, this uh, this person who submitted the Leadville questions is more of your, your everyman racer. So he's not going to get a call up. He's not going to be in that front like elite group that's going to be you know, kind of able to just move up. He's one of the people that if he wants to get a good spot, he's going to have to be at the start line pretty early. Uh, so one of his questions was around the idea of warming up for the race. Do you prioritize doing a warm up for Leadville or do you prioritize getting into the start corral as early as possible? So let's start with that. Thoughts? My, my thought was probably just in the middle on it. Uh, probably doesn't ma- that matter that much yeah pedal around and make sure your bike is working do a quick shift through all the gears check your brakes well and just you don't need to wake up at 4 a.m to stand on the the start line again like it depends so much on the person and their goals but if you're decent in uh, a pack as well usually there's enough distance there you can sort of jumble around and they are doing a couple like staggered starts uh this year as well so i wouldn't stress on being on the front row and needing to be on the front row necessarily and we do think that you know some of that early you know slowing is actually probably a good pacing mechanism for a lot of people again because at 75 miles if you're cramped and looking for stay uh shade and sitting on the side of the trail because you did your best 20 minutes on that first climb because you went around everyone and And how many people would you say do that it's super common yeah super common for the peak 20 to be in the first hour uh which I don't think it needs to be. There's no like compelling reason you need to be in the lead uh, again as an every man, as you described this person. Uh, if you just give it 20 minutes, it's going to calm down and you'll be able to start passing people pretty comfortably. Yeah. And like climbs climb, right? So most of us are working pretty hard even when it seems like we're just amped up. So, and it's early in the day, but like that same effort at 75 miles is going to feel pretty, pretty max. Uh, so I, I think it's okay. I've seen that lots of times where people have been like, oh, it was a little slow to start. And then, but I had great energy, you know, the last 25 miles of the race and I was passing everyone and I felt really good. And, you know, that, that's, I think the story you want this, you know, a little level pacing. So do what you can, but don't, again, just in the middle there somewhere is probably good. Oh, and our, uh, a note about the corrals, uh, the bell buckles are determined by chip time. So it's when you roll over the mat at the start thing. So don't panic if you're not in the front, like your time does not start when the gun goes off. It starts when you roll over. Right. Which maybe again, the start position matters a little less, right? I I always, it's sort of like Strava where you go in behind your friend on the segment, drafting them, and then you like scoot around them at the end. So you were in the segment for less time, sort of like that. Yeah, just like that. Uh, He also asked about uh, two more questions for the start corral. The one was just, it's going to be chilly in the morning. So, you know, how do you handle that? It's going to be hot during the day. So one of our first things was we really love white arm warmers uh, for both sun protection and color probably matters less but i guess we do know white white actually does matter in this case because it's going to reflect the sun versus the black that's going to just heat up and bake your arms uh the white arm warmers it's also like one of our favorite things uh so that might actually be kind of a simple solution they're also pretty easy to take off if it does get hot if you do want to get rid of them Uh, so that might be a nice way to start a little bit warmer uh the other option is if you carry a windbreaker we're actually honestly if you have a packable raincoat or windbreaker i would suggest carrying it anyway because if something happens if you're at the top of columbine and you get a flat or something like it can get chilly up there if you're stopped so if you can just put on a coat while you're fixing something or while you're dealing with an issue you're going to be a lot more comfortable and a lot more capable of getting going again pretty comfortably 
So yeah, you just never know when weather can blow in. This goes for Brack Epic. Um, you know, even in Quebec, it rains most days, uh, as far as I can tell. So you probably will want some sort of coverage at some point. Again, if you could be in a flat, you could be, you know, getting really, uh, if you run into energy, sometimes your, uh, temperature gets can change. So you just never know. So I think carrying a coat is, is not the worst idea. And you can always just take that off right before the start. And then you're cold. You know, I guess the heart of this issue is that you're just going to be cold at the start of some of these rides. Right. And I really don't like that, but there's some people that just start the rides and they're shivering a bit. And then 20 minutes in, you forgot all about it. And 20 minutes, 20 seconds in, you've forgotten. Yeah, yeah. So I think you want to be careful being the person with, you know, the full leg warmers and the beanies. Like people tell me about beanies and stuff at Leadville. And it does, it can get down to, you know, freezing even in the morning there. So it's the thing. But I think you're thinking about things you can pull out really easily. A lot of us can't ride no hands and rip jackets off. So maybe a bag up the front of your jersey is a good one I like where you can sort of pull it out with one hand and, and stuff it in your pocket. And, and I was saying even an emergency blanket, to be honest, if you're really that stressed about being cold and you kind of want to be like bundled up at the start, I would literally just I have guess an that's open a good emergency idea. blanket like tucked around Sure, me. yeah, you could do like the reverse marathon. Yeah, so, exactly. So at the start line, you could wrap yourself in this emergency blanket and then those are basically tinfoils. So you could maybe just stuff it in your pocket and then basically it's like a gel wrapper. So if you see a gel wrapper drop, you could drop it along the course too, right? They usually have a couple of those, I think, mm-hmm. uh, by the aid stations. Yeah. So So. there you go. I think you're going to be cold. I think probably bring a little bit more clothes than you think you should for safety anyhow. And away you go. You'll be okay. Yeah. Then the last question on the Leadville start was just, uh, is is there maybe an optimal spot to be? I mean, obviously, like toward the front is going to be better, but that's not necessarily optimal in terms of timing. My only thought had been trying to aim less for the center of the pack and more for uh, the outsides, like I'd probably rather just be on the outskirts or like on the far right or far left uh, in the start corral just for easier maneuverability. I'm not sure. Probably if you went there, you could form a, a good theory, right? Maybe there's the, maybe the road opens up, you know, for what would be parking spots or something like that, where maybe you'll get a little like a, the, the group will suddenly have a bunch of room on the right or the left side. So I think this is, gets into that, you know, in the week ahead, what are you going to do? You're going to be bored a lot. And then you're going to go pre-ride the first four or five miles out and then the first four four or five miles back in, which because they're sort of different uh, for Leadville at least. Uh, But I think that's just looking, you know, if you're second row and the people in the middle look really fast, then get behind them and, you know, they're going to scoot out the front and away you go. And then, yeah, maybe as you get further back, the sides make sense. But yeah, I tend to prefer the sides. I mean, geez, even watching World Cup racing lately, you realize how many crashes happen in the start just overexcited and people and be interesting to see out. if there was any you know there isn't data but if there was right like what position is the most optimal but it depends so much on the the course and well and what happens in the start like who else is there and who what? misses their pedal exactly and yeah okay so that's good and then we have one more to do breck epic is that the only thing we have left that is the only thing we have left. So the Breck Epic Tech Guide, uh, which I'm sure there's a document. I couldn't really find it, but they do have the simplest rules and the best rules, and I do like them, and it probably applies to all this stuff. Uh, so in closing, they, they say, oh, sorry. In closing, they say, don't be a dick, and that this really covers a lot. And I think that's, you know, say thank you to people. Don't pass aggressively. You know, this isn't the world championships. Probably shouldn't or need to do it there very often or at all. Uh, they also say that if you've been doping at, that you're not welcome at Brack Epic, whether that was in the past or, pr- or presently. Yeah, I actually want to read this because they actually call it subsection one. So it's under don't be a dick. Uh, are you now serving or have you ever served a USADA or WADA suspension? Yes, you're out. 
Love it. Cool. And then wear your helmet. And, and I think this is, you know, probably makes sense, but I think the reminder is just, you know, if you're riding to the beach or riding to get ice cream, uh, you're wearing flip-flops maybe. Or know. just riding around the like tent area. You see this all the time mm-hmm. in races. Just, yeah. just be careful, right? Because uh, again, I think uh, whether the helmet's going to protect you from anything, you know, breaking your shoulder or your wrist, I don't know. But maybe sometimes it's, you know, if you're going to ride your bike, you probably want to be, you know, maybe flip-flops aren't the best idea. But uh, and just be careful. A lot of races, like their insurance like dictates this. It's not that Breck Epic is trying to like be jerks and like really like, you know, crack down on this rule. It's that they're going to be screwed if something happens to you and you're not wearing a helmet. So just remembering that like race organizers aren't out to get you in these cases. They're just trying to cover themselves here. Sure. And the last one then is uh, don't litter in our beautiful backcountry. Seriously. And I think that applies to all of these events as well. Right. Again, just respecting where we are, respecting the volunteers, Again, not littering, put your little gel, you know, even better use the reusable gel flasks if you're using gel, Uh, but try and get those bar wrappers back into your pockets and then empty them out at the end of the day. It's always a good Instagram if you can, you know, Jeff Kabush always has his like, you know, 20, not 20, but 10, you know, goo gels that he's consumed during these big long things that he does. Uh, So be like Jeff, you know, post those photos of the used up gel wrappers beside the garbage or whatever and And I do think that's actually a really good plug, though, for the reusable flask, simply because uh, everyone probably has had, like, the gross gel wrapper in your pocket, like, you know, the little bit of gel in it just kind of gets everywhere. And, like, yes, you absolutely should pack out your gels, like, no question. Uh, But just when you're in a stage race and you've just got, like, sticky crap all over your jersey then for the rest of the, the week, I mean, even if you're not wearing that jersey now, it's in your laundry bin and now everything's just kind of a mess the reusable ones you just don't have that issue so they're also more economical anyway uh and less litter in general so sure teach their own so there you go so we'll post those tech guides uh along with a couple of articles we mentioned there was the small bags article uh and then yeah and then i think our only note for today is that we are uh, opening a few spots for coaching for the fall uh, so on the coaching page at consummateathlete.com, you can find the application for the wait list. Uh, so if you are gaming, you maybe have one of these bucket lists on the agenda for 2023 or 2024, if you're thinking long-term, uh, I'd love to chat about how we can be involved. Uh, but otherwise, links are up there. Thank you for listening. And if you're racing this weekend, good luck. Have fun and, and let us know how it goes. Hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.